0: Chapter One Hundred Forty Seven of Varney the Vampire, Volume Three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Emily Hoover. Varney the Vampire, Volume Three. By Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter One Hundred Forty Seven. The next morning came and with it came also the usual bustle of a country inn when strangers are stopping there especially carriage strangers as well as the usual coach stoppages when they change horses which they did more than once that morning it was at a later hour than usual when the party breakfasted and it was somewhat late when sir francis varney entered the room good morning said sir francis with great suavity of manner and in a most courtly tone "'I trust I see you somewhat recovered from the fright you were put to last night?' "'Oh, Sir Francis,' said Mrs. Fraser, "'it was a dreadful fright indeed, but we have so much to thank you for. "'To you we owe much, and my sister owes to you a double obligation. "'You have rescued her twice.' "'I am happy to think I have been a fortunate instrument in serving you. "'I trust Miss Stevens is better than she was?' "'I think she is better, Sir Francis, but she desires to remain in her apartment until we are ready to start, though I thought it somewhat unreasonable, because if she is to travel she had better have come out. "'But her rest was disturbed by the accident, and it might have been early before she slept, and an hour's rest and repose might do much towards recovering her,' said Sir Francis. "'Her own feelings are a good guide under these circumstances.' "'I think so, too,' said Captain Fraser.' i said young Stevens, was awoke by a desperate riot caused by people running about i did not hear anything of the scream i was awoke by it said captain fraser how did you hear of it how were you awoke by a loud scream said sir francis i was asleep and when it awoke me i knew not what it was I remained for a moment or two in doubt as to whether I had not dreamt, but a repetition assured me that I was not dreaming, and knowing from the sound it was a female's voice, I jumped up and dressed myself as well as I could, but before I could do that I heard people running about, and when I got into the gallery I heard the door burst in. Did anyone come out? I cannot say. I saw no one but the man who first entered the apartment fell down from some cause or other and set the bed-curtains on fire accidentally of course but it was the same in effect did you see any one in the room sir francis no one at all i did not even know who slept there but seeing the form of a human being lying there and wrapping the bedclothes, or rather seizing her and the bedclothes by grasping with both arms i carried her out I used but little ceremony, and the urgency of the case must be my excuse. And it is, Sir Francis, though I know not in what way we can manifest our feelings of gratitude to you. You may, madam, by saying no more about it, but I shall be delighted to think you have such a good opinion of my services, and the knowledge that they have been useful, that is a gratification to me. And one you are well entitled to, Sir Francis, said Captain Fraser. "'How far are you travelling? inquired Mrs. Fraser. "'As far as Bath, madam, for the benefit of my health.' "'We are going to Bath, Sir Francis, as well. I am sure it will be a great pleasure to Captain Fraser to find that we are to have such a travelling companion, that is, if you can accommodate yourself to travelling in a carriage.' "'I can travel as you please. I am mounted and am used to such travelling for months at a time.' "'Do you travel much at a time, Sir Francis?' yes i have been a great traveller for years not so much as regards distance as to the constancy of my perambulations for i continue for months together out riding from one town to another without an attendant always i never carry a servant about with me it cannot be done with comfort by any one you have always proper attendance if you stop at a respectable inn or hotel or if not if the road you have to travel be a cross-route you cannot expect any additional comfort from a servant but you are troubled at his not being comfortably lodged at least i am for i have tried it i dare say there is much wisdom in that i know from experience that a single traveller who has leisure and is willing may enjoy himself better than he could if he were attended by his servant you are somewhat restrained in your motions and cannot do as you would please under all circumstances I am fully persuaded of that from experience. But I shall travel on horseback till I get to Bath, and then I hardly know whether I shall remain at an hotel, or take lodgings for the season, or what. What we intend is to take lodgings, said Captain Fraser, for a time, as long as we feel inclined, and then to enjoy ourselves. Quite right, said Sir Francis, quite right. I am glad to hear you say so, and I hope it may be of advantage to Miss Stephens. I hope so too, Shall we have the advantage of your company en route? I shall have great pleasure in having your company so far. It will give me great gratification indeed. I shall be most happy to bear your company as far as the city of Bath, and shall consider myself the gainer by your society. No, we shall be the only party that will benefit by it, but we shall feel greatly your kindness, and I, for one, anticipate much pleasure on the road from your society and also when we arrive in Bath. I feel such will be the case. At this moment Mr. Carter was announced also. In a few moments more this individual was introduced to them. He was a plain gentlemanly man, who really was a clever man, notwithstanding the fearful account of his prowess and skill which the landlord had descanted on the previous night. "'Well, Mr. Carter,' said Captain Fraser, how do you find my sister do you think she is any better than she was i think she is calmer and much of the first violence of terror is gone but i cannot say any more she is still much disturbed do you think there is anything dangerous in her state no sir i do not though i cannot hide from you the possibility that there is of her being permanently affected by it i mean mentally it may take a deep hold of her and there will be no getting her free from it, save by judicious treatment. You do not consider much, then, of her wound? The arm? Oh, yes, that looks very angry, and has been a very severe bite, and has caused her arm to swell, though I have no doubt about its getting well. Still it will be very painful for some days, and had it been a little more severe, it is possible that some of the tendons might have been injured, or an artery wounded. Upon my word! "'said Sir Francis Varney. "'This had very nigh turned out a very bad and serious affair, "'if not a dangerous one. "'Of that there can be no doubt,' said the doctor. "'Well, but, after all, what was it that has caused all this disturbance? "'What was it, a man or brute?' "'Decidedly the latter,' said Sir Francis Varney. "'Decidedly the latter be the form of the creature what it may.' "'Indeed you were right, Sir Francis,' said Mrs. Fraser but she insists it was a human being who made this abominable attack on her. Why or wherefore, no one knows, but she insists it was a man. What do you say, doctor?' "'I only know, sir, what the young lady says.' "'Do you think it probable?' "'I cannot say I do. I think it most unlikely, though, to be sure, there is nothing in it that is impossible.' had anyone felt maliciously towards the young lady they might have perpetrated the crime but in the absence of all malice i cannot think so bad of human nature as to believe it you discredit it then said sir francis varney i do said the doctor With all due respect to the young lady, but the probability of mistake is so great, and when you consider the terror so natural to the occasion, her powers of observation were limited and liable to error, that I cannot myself believe otherwise than there is a great mistake. And what do you consider of the wounds? I mean, do you think it possible that they were inflicted by human teeth? Are they of that shape and character that could be inflicted by human teeth? Yes, decidedly that is, so far as I am able to judge, while the wound is swelled and angry, I should consider them just such as might be inflicted by the teeth of a man or woman. That corroborates the young lady's own belief. It does, so far," said Mr. Carter. Then comes the question of how it could have been done, and by whom. These seem to be questions which cannot be answered i asked the landlord all that could tend to elicit that information but with no success he knew nothing that could throw any light upon the subject perhaps he knew nothing suggested mrs Fraser. most probably he did not was the reply i know the landlord to be a respectable though somewhat eccentric man and I think him quite incapable of being a party to such an outrage upon any person, much less upon a lady who was stopping at his house. Well, however true that may be, yet it is undeniable that this outrage has been committed, though by whom we cannot say, for we do not even suspect anybody. I can't understand it at all. Nor I, but as you observed, sir, the outrage has been committed, and here too.' but, unfortunately, no one is suspected, and justice cannot be done, which, in such a case, ought to be fully and clearly made out, for there can be no palliation. None at all. I wish, said Captain Fraser, I had been first in the room. Why, sir, inquired Sir Francis Varney, do you wish that? Because, you see, sir, "'I should have felt that inward satisfaction arising from the fact "'that I fancy I might have ascertained whether any one was or had been in the room.' "'The young lady said there was,' said Sir Francis. "'Yes, yes, but then you saw the door opened and saw no one come out.' "'I did not, though after I had Miss Stevens in my arms I came away. "'And then it was possible any one might have got out, "'though there were others who would have seen them.' But still, in the bustle and confusion of the moment, there might have been somebody. "'Yes, there is that possibility,' said Captain Fraser. "'And I don't see why I should trouble myself about this affair. I mean, by wishing myself there. But I should have done nothing but carry out the body. That would have been my first act.' "'No doubt,' said Sir Francis. "'And what made such an act the more necessary is the fact that she was in instant danger of death.' from burning or suffocation. True, true. Who would have coolly gazed around him when there on the bed lay the unfortunate victim of God knows what? Well, sir, I must bid you good day. I have some patients to visit. Not before we square accounts, which is easily done. Let me know how we may stand, sir, and I will pay you at once. This little affair was soon settled, and the doctor was about to depart, when he said, before he left the room, I have given the young lady directions what to do relative to her arm. She must not use it much, but any medical man who may chance to see it will be able to prescribe for it, though what I have given I deem almost enough to effect her complete restoration as far as regards the arm. The shock the mind and nervous system have sustained will only be eradicated by time and change. Thank you for your advice. That shall be attended to. The doctor now quitted the hotel, and the landlord entered the apartment with a very serious aspect, and, after making his bow, proceeded to say, I'm very sorry, sir, for the occurrence of last night, very sorry indeed. Indeed, sir, I cannot make it out at all. I have inquired all over the house, and nobody at all knows anything about it, nor can't think how it could be. A good many of them won't believe it at all though I told them there could be no doubt of it, for the young lady was burnt and the bed set on fire.' "'You may be sure of that, landlord. The young lady has been bitten on the arm most severely.' "'And as for the fire,' said Sir Francis, "'I saw how that occurred.' "'So you said, sir,' replied the landlord. "'If that fellow as fell down had stood up, why, it wouldn't have set the curtains afire.' no that is true well then he would have been able to have seen what was the matter instead of his filling the room full of smoke and fire as he did he had not no excuse to tumble down nobody knocked him down but didn't he hurt himself very badly oh only about two or three square inches or perhaps a patch as big as your hand off his chin that's nothing to such as he very good "'But have you examined the place to see if anybody could have got in and concealed himself? "'Was there any possibility of a man's getting into your house "'and secreting himself in any part of the bedroom "'which would thus afford him an opportunity of doing what has been done? "'Why, sir, I don't think it likely. "'And yet these people are so cunning "'that you could not, by any possibility, guard against them in any way, "'especially in an inn. "'But there is no house free from intrusion of that character.' but in this instance they could have had no notion the young lady was to sleep there that is very true said captain Fraser, and tends to show she was not singled out for outrage but what seems very singular is that any one should secret themselves and that with a view to commit such an outrage that is very true said the landlord "'But people do very strange things sometimes, and I think the object of anyone hiding himself in the house in such a manner as this rascal must have done was robbery. But he met with no resistance, and there could have been no excuse for so cowardly an assault as this complained of. There is much truth in that, and yet we don't know what human nature is capable of,' said the landlord." "'I have known a few things in my time, "'but the man, or whatever he might be, "'might have been tempted to make the assault complained of.' "'What? "'Then, landlord, you imagine that a thief "'who had got into the house "'would make an attempt to eat a young lady?' "'Why, as to eating her, sir,' said the landlord, scratching his head, "'I cannot say he would. "'I don't know what his intentions might be, "'nor do I profess to understand it all.' I can't, however, see what can be the motive, save malice and spite. They mightn't care whom they injured, so long as somebody was hurt. They must have been very bad. Yes, sir, and I wish I had seen them. If I had, I would no more mind chopping them in two than I would cleave a marrow bone. I truly hope, sir, you won't consider that, however unfortunate the circumstances are, that I am blamable in this affair.' I took all the usual precautions in this affair, that is, my house was secured as usual, and the place watched during the day, for we are particular in that respect, knowing that we are very liable to be robbed. Exactly, said Captain Fraser, and though I much regret the occurrence, yet I tell you, I do not see anything in which I say you are to blame. It is simply a great misfortune, and there ends the matter. Thank you. I regret it as much, I am sure, as anybody, because I am very likely to be injured by it. You are not to blame. Allow my carriage to be at the door in half an hour, as we shall leave almost immediately. And my horse, too, landlord, as I bear this gentleman company. The landlord departed and went towards the stables, and gave the necessary orders, while the guests remained, conversing on the extraordinary occurrence that had taken place, and much pleased with the courtesy of their new friend. Many were the speculations that were indulged in respecting the attack upon Miss Stevens, many of them wild, but all wide of the mark, fortunately, for her frame of mind. And then, before they had at all come to any conclusion or any satisfactory probability, the carriage was announced. Well, Sir Francis, I presume you will ride with us? Yes, on horseback. I understand so. "'We shall be much indebted to you for your goodness. "'But here is Miss Stevens.' "'At that moment the young lady entered the room, "'ready attired for travelling, but looking very pale and timid. "'Sir Francis advanced, and, taking her hand, said, "'May I have the pleasure of hearing you say "'the occurrence of last night has done you only a temporary mischief?' "'I hope not,' said Miss Stevens. "'But to you, Sir Francis, I owe everything.' i am grateful to you for your ready and effectual aid under such trying circumstances i am sure i can never repay you for your goodness nay the task is easier than you imagine said sir francis to know that i have saved you and to see it has been effectual is repayment enough i am sure we never feel so much satisfaction and pleasure as when we find our endeavours however important or unimportant they are have proved effectual that we have done what we desired to do "'That is ample reward.' "'You are so good, Sir Francis.' "'We will say nothing about that. "'None are so perfect, but we may see room for amendment. "'But we will have a truce, I hope, upon this subject, "'and now converse upon the pleasures of our journey.' "'They, I hope, will be many,' said Mrs. Fraser. "'I have every expectation of it myself,' said Sir Francis. "'The day appears fine, and the sun is high.' THE STORM OF LAST EVENING HAS CLEARED THE AIR OF MUCH OF ITS HEAT. IT IS COOL AND PLEASANT. THE COUNTRY WILL LOOK REFRESHED. THE FIELDS WILL BE QUITE GAY AND PLEASANT, AND THE FACE OF NATURE RENEWED. WELL, I AM CERTAIN IT WILL BE A PLEASANT JOURNEY UNDER SUCH CHANGE, FOR I MUST SAY IT WAS VERY SULTRY YESTERDAY. IT WAS, SAID CAPTAIN FRASER. THE APPEARANCE OF THE EARTH ALONE WILL TELL THAT. BUT ARE YOU ALL READY? YES, ALL, REPLIED Missus FRASER now my dear charles what are you about i'm looking for my gloves said the youth but i can't find them never mind them we shall be off without you i'll come before you've all gotten to the carriage so don't wait permit me miss stevens said sir francis as he offered his arm to have the pleasure of seeing you safe into the carriage the young lady accepted of the proffered arm of sir francis though not without something like reluctance, though why she could not tell. But yet she did not like to appear to hesitate, and forced herself to do what common courtesy, if not gratitude, demanded she should do. She took his arm, and the whole party were shortly seated in the carriage, and, with Sir Francis Varney mounted beside them, they all quitted the inn, where they had experienced such strange vicissitudes of fortune during one night that it would never be erased from their memories. End of chapter 147